quite unusual. Hello and welcome to the Quite Unusual podcast. We are your hosts. I am Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Hi. I'm Noelle. <laughs> Hi, Noelle. Hi. Um, so happy Sunday. We're recording a day late. I know. It's a beautiful Sunday also. Oh, it's like the most it's beautiful like- day ever. We're locked in a recording dungeon, recording mm-hmm. instead of being outside. Yeah, I know. Maybe I'll I'll take this outside and edit it outside just to, you know, get some fresh air. <laughs> Can we have class outside today? <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Perfect. Um, so are you feeling a little stir crazy yet? Yeah. I'm inside all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm I just miss my friends, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm running out of things to do oh, inside really? of my house. Yeah. Oh. I was on like a cleaning rampage for like the first uh three weeks of quarantine. And now I've just I just don't care anymore. <laughs> I started off not caring and I oh. still don't care. And we were actually supposed to clean today, but then I was like, oh, hmm gotta record instead so Uh that's gonna get postponed to next sunday saved by the record yeah i wish i had that bug just to clean everything but i don't i I tried like really hard to like keep everything clean because you know like clean house clean mind maybe i don't Mm -hmm. know less clutter and now there's like so i'm sitting in my bedroom i am looking at an actual pile of clothing it's just on the floor there's like a blanket next to it dude i haven't i have a basket of clothes that i washed like three weeks ago they're still in the basket in my basement right now yeah i got one of those too sitting right here yeah i'm i've been wearing the same clothes like for three days in a row so i don't really have need for the clothes that i had washed so leggings and hoodies don't wrinkle so it's like Mm -mm. who cares anymore yeah that's the that's the current uniform of my life leggings i know like those people that are like get dressed for work every day and they put like denim on like okay leg prisons i don't know why you're doing that i don't today was actually the first day since in all of quarantine that i put on pants like real pants hard pants we're calling them hard pants hard pants (laughs) and that i actually did my makeup i haven't done my makeup in so long i actually forgot i didn't forget how to do it i just forgot the steps in which I like apply things. So it took me like double the amount of time because I had no idea what I was doing. I completely forgot everything. Dang, dang dude, look at you. Yeah, but it's been so long since I've put makeup on, my skin forgot how to get pimples. So it looks fantastic. <laughs> I know my skin is really good too. It's probably because it's not like hitting the pollution outside, also. Right. Totally. I don't know. Well, I want to ask you, um, would you like to go on a little vacation down under? Ah, to Australia. To Australia. That's where Crikey. we're going. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> Let's see. Australia. Was that good? That was good. I'm yeah. just trying to channel like my inner Rebel Wilson. Mm, yes. Like what's, like what's something she would say? Uh, what's something know. Steve Irwin would say? Uh, watch out! There's a stingray. Oh no! Oh, too soon, man. <laughs> it's been like ten years. He is a hero. He is a goddamn treasure. He is for real, though. I'm not even joking about no, that. No, he really is. He's fantastic. He's a, he's a treasure. He really is. Um, but today know. we are going to Australia, and we are going to talk about the murder of Betty Shanks. Have you? heard of one of, mm. have you heard of this i have not heard of this no um and i'm super excited to hear it because i'd also like to point out that this is the first murder that we are doing on the pod and i'm super excited about it mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. first murder on the pod first murder on the pod <laughs> i just wrote that song that just came to me the spirit oh. of betty shanks flowed through me to make that to make that song well it was beautiful don't thank me thank betty <laughs> thanks betty 
All right. Well, this is one of Australia's oldest and sort of most impactful unsolved mysteries. It's mm. dated to um, 1952, so 68 years ago. I had to double check the math on that because I forgot how to do math. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so um, I'm going to say that this is the most impactful because basically before this, the area that she was in, um, lived in, was seen as like, it's just sort of like a quiet, sleepy suburb, like women mm-hmm. could walk outside alone. Um, there was really not a lot of crime. And this sort of changed kind of all of that. Ugh, don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> crime? Yes. <laughs> no, like just your normal everyday town and then a murder happens and everything gets fucked up. Yeah, it kind of rocked its world over here. So mm. although this is technically, um, the murder is technically an unsolved mystery, there's a lot of evidence that we'll talk about later that supports one murderer that he was never tried, but I believe this is the murderer. So okay. yeah, we'll get to that later. And also I found a really great contemporary article dated two days after her murder in 1952, which was super fun to read. I mean... I don't know if you've ever looked up like contemporary like articles when researching historical events, but there is. Oh, my God. It's so shocking. What is a contem- like what does that mean if something is a contemporary article? So like it came out um, in 1952. OK. Yeah. It was in the, the local newspaper two days after oh. the murder. Yeah. So OK. It was so very, it's not. Yeah. So so like it it happened. The article came out right after the murder happened. So it's okay. very like local girl found two days ago outside her home, you know, and it's mm-hmm. just very like, this is what happened. This is what we know. Yeah. Like um, local newspaper type yeah. of. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's start at the beginning. Does it sound good? Uh, Yeah. That's where I like all of my stories to start. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so on the night of September 19th in 1952, 22-year-old Betty Thomas Shanks got off a tram at the Days Road Terminus. This is in a suburb of Brisbane, Australia. It's called The Grange, and that's the last time anyone will ever, had ever seen Betty alive. Getting off of the tram. Yes. Is when she was saying, okay. Yeah, so it's the last time. Um, Betty was found badly beaten and strangled to death just yards outside of her home at 5.35 a.m. the next day, September 20th, 1952, by a police officer that actually lived right down the street from her. The police officer was the one that found the body? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. those are pretty much all the real facts we have about this case. Whoa. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of wild. So the case kind of... Like I said, it rocked this quiet suburb. It led to an uptick in private taxi rides after the murder because pretty much every young woman in the area was afraid to take public transportation and kind of walk alone. Right. And that 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 has to be like the scariest thing, especially for women. If you're not even safe taking public transportation in a town that it's supposed to be safe for you because nothing's ever happened and now... You can't even take public transportation, let alone walk anywhere. So yeah. I don't know about you, but I mean, that's sort of how I feel now. Like if I am outside at night, like even walking sometimes from like my car to my house, if I like go around like the front yeah. or whatever, I kind of find myself power walking. I was going to say, do you do you do that thing where you run really, really fast to get to your door and then like your heart's <laughs> like beating as soon as you get there and you're like, <sighs> as soon as you get inside. Because yeah. I definitely have done that before. Yeah, totally. Or like, you know, you leave somewhere late at night, like a restaurant or something, and mm. you kind of like look like around you as you're walking towards your car. Maybe your keys yeah. are in your hand. Mm-hmm. You got to put those keys in your knuckles just in yeah. case. Isn't that crazy? We were all taught that to like hold yeah. your keys in your knuckles to like use as weapons. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's our reality. That's just the world that we live in. But imagine going from... I mean, Betty would frequently take the train by herself, walk right. home late at night, 930 at night. She was known to sort of like kind of stroll home. So it would take her maybe like 
10-ish minutes on what could have been like a five-minute walk, but she was mm-hmm. just so, you know, strolling, kind of taking her time, enjoying the night that she just felt comfortable doing that. And and it was 1952, and I, everyone back then, nobody thought that they were going to get murdered, you know? Right. it's like nowadays where everything that we do it's always in the back of our mind that we can get murdered but back then they'd never suspected any of that exactly so let's get into kind of who betty was and kind of what her last day was like so betty she's 22 years old at the time of her murder Mm -hmm. um she was actually the main provider for her family at the time she had um, a 10 year old little brother her dad, he couldn't work because he had lost a leg in World War One, and her mother just didn't work. Wow, good for her. And in 1952, she's a 22-year-old woman and basically in charge of her family. That's very progressive of her. Yeah, it was kind of thrusted on her, though, because her father, like I said, he was missing a leg, so he was in a wheelchair. And mm-hmm. at the time, there weren't all these, like, American disability, well, I guess Australian it would be, disability, like, acts yeah. and stuff where things had to have ramps and stuff like that. Right. So if he couldn't work in his home, which he really couldn't, he couldn't yeah. work. So it kind of got thrown on her. She she just basically took this up, like, I will provide for the family. And then also, mm-hmm. they got government assistance because of her father's disability. So right. they had to. Yeah. Well, good for her. I'm proud of you, Betty. Go, Betty. So, Betty was regarded as extremely responsible, very kind, and just like an intelligent, kind of nice person that you want to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she always called her parents if her plans were going to change. But usually, she didn't really hang out with friends outside of like work and sort of like school hours, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, she was usually home pretty early. So was she, um, she was going to school full time and also she was providing for her family at the same time? Well, sort of. So she had just completed her psychology degree and she was doing some continuing education classes at night just because she really loved learning. Oh. Yeah. So she had a degree at this point. Um, She was working for the local government and then just taking a few night classes. Okay. Speaking of that class, her boss at her job was also taking the same class and it was taught by like a local lecturer teacher style Mm -hmm. and they were all good friends and there were only about 10 people in the class and they were just all like sort of really good friends Mm -hmm. so I wanted to bring up also something pretty interesting that that day the day of her murder she had been tasked with buying lottery tickets for her company like they all put in money in like a pool and then betty was the one that was in charge of going to buy the tickets wow they even did that back then that's yeah. <laughs> smart well, thinking well betty's family did that too so like everyone kind of gave like a dollar or whatever they had and she would go buy a ticket and actually a few months before that they got a winning ticket betty's dad gave her some money she went to go buy a lottery ticket and she won three thousand pounds which what yeah, in today's money, that's like almost a quarter million dollars. Holy shit, that's a lot of money to win from a lottery. Usually <laughs> it's like 50 bucks or something. Yeah, so they won pretty big. And so obviously all her coworkers were like, Betty, you have to be the one to buy this ticket. Like, you're lucky. We're going right. to win big. So that day, um, she met her mom for lunch. They did a little bit of shopping. She bought the lottery tickets, and then after work, her and her boss went to this lecture, this after-hours, like, night class. Okay. The lecturer, being friends with Betty and most of the classmates, dropped her and then two other people off at the tram station at 9 p.m. after class. Mm -hmm. Betty and her classmate, Marie, they would usually walk home together after the tram, but again, Betty's kind of like... She likes to lollygag. She likes to stroll, kind of take her time. And Marie was very much the opposite, like sort of a power walker. So, <laughs> yeah. So on this, she's got places to be. That's okay. right. Marie's a busy lady. So on this particular night, Marie was just like, "Deuces, Betty. We'll see you tomorrow. I'm going home. Take your sweet time." And they sort of separated. Okay, so they rode the tram together, but when they got off, Marie just power walked away and left Betty to. 
casually stroll on her own. Yeah, which wasn't necessarily out of the ordinary. Like they had kind of been known to do that before. Yeah. Just they didn't always walk together, but sometimes they did. Okay. And actually, this I think is a little bit interesting. Betty and Marie were wearing almost identical red coats that night, which hmm. came up in an article that I read. And do uh, we think that? little like tidbit is important because someone could have been targeting Marie instead. I think it might lead to it. We'll talk later about a little bit of a case of mistaken identity. And I think that that might have something to do with it. So just wanted to mention that they were both wearing pretty similar red coats that night. Interesting. Okay. We'll keep that in mind. Yeah. So later on, Marie, who had been interviewed by the police afterwards, said that nothing really seemed out of ordinary Aside from mm-hmm. a man who she said was wearing a dark brown suit, um, leaning against a street light that they passed. And she said he seemed a little bit like he was looking for someone or like maybe he was in a hurry, but she didn't really pay any attention, like any attention to it at the time. Mm-hmm. But this will be very important later in this episode. Oh, okay. So her and Marie get off this tram at 930 Betty should be home by, like, we'll say 9.45 at the very latest. But Mm -hmm. she didn't show up. Just totally didn't come home. And that's very out of the ordinary for her. Yeah. Obviously, we know what happened now, but at the time, they didn't. Mm -hmm. And her father wanted to call the police, but Betty's mom kept kind of talking him out of it. She said that Mm -hmm. she didn't want to embarrass her daughter. You know, she's 22 years old. Maybe she's out with a boy. Maybe she's out with her friends. She didn't want to make a big deal about it. And after midnight, her father was kind of like, I'm going to do something. Like, I got to call someone. And her mom just kept kind of telling him, like, just let it go. Like, she'll come home soon. Right. She's young. She's probably out. She'll be back. Right. Maybe they went to a movie or something and whatever. So by Mm -hmm. 1.30 in the morning, her father is like, he's had enough. This is completely out of the usual for his daughter. If they did go to see a movie, the movie would have been over by now. No restaurants right. are open. Where is Betty? So he calls the lecturer to see if she even went to class that night. Mm-hmm. So it's 1.30 in the morning. Her father calls this lecturer to see if she was even in class. The lecturer confirms that she was there and that he even dropped her off at the train station at 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So Betty's father freaks out. Calls the police immediately. And this is 1952 in a quiet suburb. Nothing like this ever happens, especially Mm -hmm. to Betty. Like, Betty is home. Betty's ready for bed. Betty's not. She's not one of those girls who's, like, up and about around town and, you know, making trouble in the neighborhood. Right. Totally. And from what I get from reading these stories or reading these articles is that nobody really was around there at the time like everyone was pretty chill and just Mm -hmm. responsible you know leave it to beaver types uh gotcha yeah so this is causing a lot of alarm for the police Mm -hmm. they immediately spring into action they're calling all the neighbors they call this lecture they call her boss they're patrolling the area for strange people see that that's surprising to me that they sprung to action so quickly because I don't know if it maybe this is just a thing, like a United States thing, but back in the day, it, it seems like every time somebody went missing or parents called police and were like, our son hasn't come home, they would always just chalk it up as like just something stupid, like they ran away or maybe she was with the boyfriend and then they'd wait like two days before they actually, you know, investigated. So yeah, surprising to me that they like sprung into action so fast which i mean good for them good job please totally i mean we all know the first 48 hours are the most important time to find a missing person yeah but remember when you totally just reminded me of this remember when they used to say like if you're over 18 or whatever like they wait 24 hours it's not a missing person until it's 24 hours Yeah. yeah i don't think that's a thing anymore though i think they got rid of that recently Good. I hope that's not a thing anymore because that's so important. I mean, you need to track these Mm -hmm. people if they're missing immediately. Right. Well, they used to even do that with children and then they had um, the Amber Alerts because of a girl Amber and she was taken or kidnapped. I don't really know the exact story, but 
Um, that's why Amber Alerts became a thing because they it used to be like I don't know if it was 24 hours or whatever, but they had to make that a law because she probably could have been found if somebody had actually tried to look for her and you know raised all of the alarm right in the first place so that's so sad i know yeah so so the police jumped into action basically straight away they didn't really find Mm -hmm. anything um they kind of just all went home and then the next morning at 5 35 a.m her body was found in a neighbor's yard just seriously yards from her house by the police officer that lived next door to the yard that she had been found in. Whoa. So she was clearly on her way home walking and somebody stopped her. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe a hundred feet from home. (gasps) No. Super sad. (sighs) Yeah. So let's talk about the crime scene a little bit because there's some pretty interesting things here. So Betty's body, I said, was found in this yard, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Her body was very badly beaten. I mean, there was just gallons of blood all over the place. But they determined that the actual cause of death was strangulation. Like someone had physically choked her out. So so they just like beat the shit out of her. And then her final like or how she actually died is that they just like beat the shit out of her and then strangled her. Exactly. So she she went through quite an ordeal before she died. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. The contents of Betty's purse was dumped out. Her lottery Mm -hmm. tickets weren't in there, which, you know, she had purchased. They weren't in there. And then her wallet wasn't in there either. Her mom Mm -hmm. said that she had been known to not always carry a wallet, but they couldn't find the wallet in the house. So they do think it was in the purse and they do think that it it got stolen. So do we think that whoever attacked her is somebody who was specifically looking for the lotto ticket? possibly it seems like right now that the motive for the killer is burglary since like they took the lotto ticket and they took her wallet right but there was still i mean like all her jewelry was on her still that's weird um they didn't take anything else out of the purse there were like some coins like some some Mm -hmm. cash laying around it wasn't much but there was some right so wouldn't you think a burglar would take all of it that's true. He would probably just take the whole purse and get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Another thing that was interesting is that Betty's underwear had been removed and thrown pretty far from her body. Now, <sighs> it was soaked in urine, but there was absolutely no blood on it. So we can assume that her underwear was taken off before she was beaten. <sighs> so was it soaked in urine because she was so terrified that she peed herself? Yeah. Isn't that so sad? <gasps> oh. Poor girl. I know. It's terrible. I mean, she literally pissed herself. She was so scared. (sighs) Man. That's so messed up. Betty's dress and her slip were also pushed up over her waist, and her shirt had sort of been ripped open, and, like, her bra was sort of disheveled, like someone Mm -hmm. had been, like, tearing at it also. Yeah. But this is interesting because Betty wasn't sexually assaulted. Like, she wasn't raped. In fact, there was no semen found at the crime scene, and during the autopsy, it was discovered that Betty was still a virgin. Okay, so whoever did this to her made it look like she was sexually assaulted, but they didn't actually touch her. Right. So that's something that, that kind of comes up. Like, she wasn't actually raped. She was assaulted, right. and, like, her clothes were disheveled and everything, but she wasn't actually sexually assaulted yeah to me that seems like it was somebody purposely doing that to make it look like she was but obviously didn't actually do it that's a huge theory like they kind of did it to cover up another motive yeah i saw that a few Mm -hmm. places and i thought that that was pretty interesting and but the Mm -hmm. yard remember i mentioned betty was found in a yard yeah this is super important because the yard sits at a lower elevation than the yards around it Uh So this would make it really easy to conceal a body. And then the fence around this yard was pretty low. It was like a little bit lower than your hip height. So whether Betty was pushed over could be a possibility. Or, I mean, basically, it can just be super easily jumped over. Okay. Because it's so low. So she could have fallen over it or maybe she was pushed over there or thrown over there or something. And then her assailant 
could have easily jumped this fence and run away. So that's pretty important. Hmm. So the yard was located behind a school and the school had like a big field where people were known to kind of play soccer or cricket or rugby or whatever. Right. And then like a like where they had recess or something. Yeah, pretty much. And then also late at night, the field was known to be occupied by like teenagers kind of like hanging out and playing around and stuff. So when the owner of this yard was asked if she heard any strange noises. She said that she had heard two screams around like 9.30, 9.45, but no actual words being shouted. So she chalked it up to just Rudy youths kind of hanging out in that field behind uh, her house. Oh, yeah, because they were just known to chill out there. Okay. Right, exactly. So also several other neighbors that were questioned by the police agreed that they had heard shouts, but they didn't go out to investigate, which I think is sort of lame. Even the police officer... He said that he was already in bed. He had heard the shouts. He kind of looked out his window, didn't see anything, and then just went back to sleep. What? What kind of a police officer is that? <laughs> I mean, I guess he's off duty. We'll give him that, but still. I guess. Uh, if I heard someone's like shouting outside of my house, yeah. I don't think I would think murder first, but I would go out and be like, do you know what fucking time it is? I'm nosy as shit. I would totally look out my window to see what was going on. Right. <laughs> there's no there's no point that I would never that I would not go to investigate or try to investigate. I would want to know what's going on for if sure. So, yeah. Just to spy on my neighbors. Like, for on. sure. Who doesn't love to do that? So so this fence that was behind the yard, it had two bloody handprints on it. So it sort of mm-hmm. looked like either she was beaten and then pushed over and kind of smudged. You know, maybe she grabbed onto it trying to lift herself up. Or what they do think yeah. is that the killer jumped over the fence and then ran away. So a question about this yard. This is, you said this is one of her neighbor. This is her neighbor's yeah, yard. Yeah, a couple houses down. Oh, okay. So what, do we think she was killed in the yard or like pulled into the yard and then killed? They don't know. Most of the blood was in the yard. So they're thinking she was mm-hmm. definitely beaten over there. And Weird. whether it was deliberate or not to kind of put her out of plain sight, like in this low lying yard. Oh, because seems- you said it was lower yeah. than ever. It was. Oh, okay. yeah. So that seems pretty convenient. And then mm. they couldn't get like a, a f- good handprint, like fingerprints off of the handprints on the fence because it was all smudged in the blood. Yeah. Also, this is way before DNA, like DNA wasn't used to like solve criminal cases until what like the late 80s yeah i was gonna say like 90s 80s yeah late 80s 90s yeah like super recently so yeah and even then it was still new so exactly so that would have been completely unhelpful if they could get any sort of dna but this is something that i thought was really interesting betty always wore a wristwatch and Mm -hmm. her watch that night it was stopped at 9.52. Like, the watch just stopped, totally stopped working. So this leads police oh to believe God. that that was the exact time of Betty's death. <gasps> oh, God. I, like, I just got goosebumps around my whole body <laughs> when you said that. I swear. I'm, that's, oh, that's actually, so that's so creepy, but it's it sounds like something that would happen in a movie or something. Right? I know. the The total, like believer in ghosts in me believes that her spirit like mm-hmm. when her spirits like cease to exist the watch stopped i don't know why that's oh i just got goosebumps <sighs> i know it's totally outlandish but it was found out that the watch when it's jostled really hard it stops and starts mm-hmm. so they they do think that's when her body basically stopped moving and she had got like one really hard like jostle or like shake <sighs> and that's why the watch stopped so it's likely that you know, that is the time of her death. Yeah, that was like the final death rattle. Ooh, ugh, creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were also all these black scuff marks all over her body. Specifically, there was a really weird one on her forehead and then her legs. These have been deemed to be shoe polish and then also like some fresh black rubber sort of mixed in there. Okay, so uh, so when you said scuffs, I was confused. And then when you followed it with the shoe pot, so obviously someone was kicking her, I would Yeah, assume. that's what it seems like. And then both of her legs had these marks on it. So whether those were kick marks or someone was physically standing on her, <sighs> either one. But one was on her forehead. And this looked, it had weird little dots on her forehead almost. 
So think of like if you know like a colander has all those little holes on it right if you were to press right. your hand into it you would leave little indents all over your palm yeah. so it was sort uh-huh. of like that on her forehead like all these little dots and they think that that's mm-hmm. likely the sole of a shoe but the police weren't able to find like a pair of shoes being sold in the area that had that kind of sole mark weird because you would think that there was probably only what a handful of shoe stores in the area exactly that's very so that's sort of interesting people think that Mm -hmm. possibly it had been like a canvas bag that was filled with maybe like marbles or something that was used as sort of like a blunt object to beat her with but yeah there's nothing that really like corroborates that sort of evidence okay so let's talk about some possible motives we mentioned the lottery the lottery win before so could this have possibly been a motive to rob her or maybe like rob her family follow her home betty's father as we discussed was unable to work and her family relied on betty's income and also government assistance for a really long time so they were known to be sort Mm -hmm. of like a a poor family not well to do and after they won the lottery a few months prior they used all that money pretty much to pay for like past due bills pay for the mortgage there was a major roof repair that they paid for mm-hmm. and the last little bits that were left betty had used to pay back a relative that she had borrowed tuition money for so pretty oh, much okay. all the money was gone except for like maybe a few dollars okay her jewelry had been left on her and then like i said before there was some cash kind of strewn all over the street but it was only a mm-hmm. few dollars it's thought that since she was a wide like widely known as a huge lottery winner Maybe the assailant assumed she was carrying large amounts of cash on her. But if they yeah. were robbing her, why would they leave all of her jewelry? Yeah, see, so that that's what that's what I thought went like from the beginning when you had mentioned that her lottery ticket was taken and she was the one that everyone right. had, you know, voted on to go find this lottery ticket. It was my thought that it was somebody who knew she was buying the ticket. But then, like, after hearing all this, why would somebody murder someone in the hopes that the ticket that they had just bought would be a winner? Like, that doesn't make sense Exactly. To me. Like, what are the chances of that? So you murder someone to take yeah. their lottery ticket, and then it's, what, a one in a million chance it's a winner anyway? Right. <laughs> That's the stupidest. I mean, people have killed for stupider reasons, but that just doesn't seem, I don't know, smart to me. Another theory kind of going along with this is that the robber was angry that they didn't find money, so they murdered her. Whoa. Well, but then why would they leave all her jewelry and her other... You said there was money, like, all over the street. Why wouldn't they just take everything Maybe they were hoping to find a lot of money, and, you know, he Mm. got angry and decided to strangle her out of rage. I don't know. It's just kind of speculation at that point. Yeah. yeah right so another thing is could this have been an attempted sexual assault i mean as we discussed she was a virgin there was no semen at the crime that the crime scene yeah i don't i don't believe it was like a sexually motiv- motivated crime it just seems to me like i said it seems like someone purposely did those things to make it look like a yeah rape. that's how it seems to me i don't know i think i agree with that yeah but there is a theory that there was an attempted rape and maybe she kind of fought back and the assailant wasn't really expecting that so to oh. kind of calm her down or you know subdue her it turned into one of those classic like rape gone wrong turned into murder moments oh yeah like maybe he just wanted to like shut her up and keep her quiet and then accidentally killed her yeah oh, which I, f- I feel like happens a lot actually yeah and then ran away and just left her dead body yeah Ugh. and going Ugh. along with that some people believe that she was attacked and it was an attempted rape and then sort of left for dead but the murderer thought well if she's still alive i can't leave a witness so he went back later strangled her and to sort of finish the job you know leave no witnesses i mean i guess that has happened before yeah and i don't love that theory though i think it's a little bit risky i mean you're gonna attack someone and then come back how however long later to sort of finish Mm -hmm. the job isn't that what um isn't that what happened to Kitty Genovese, the one who cried out for help and people saw her and she, he, the killer left her for dead 
and then she was mm-hmm. still alive and he came back and finished the job. I'm pretty sure that's what happened yeah, with her. I think so. That's the one so. from New York, right? Yeah, when all the people in her um apartment complex like she was screaming for help and everyone people saw her, they just thought somebody else would call and then everyone thought that and nobody ended up calling and the the guy had time to come back and finish the job. So it's fucked it's up. so fucked up and it's so tragic. And that could have been this too. Mm-hmm. I mean, people heard two screams and then didn't right. bother to actually look into it so yeah that, that that's that true be. that's uh, wow this is a very similar yeah. case there's a that. lot of theories to this because there's so little actual information that a lot mm. of it is speculation so i mentioned the red coats earlier could yeah. it have been mistaken identity maybe they were after marie and you know got betty instead but also yeah on her street there was a well-to-do doctor's assistant named Ina and she took the same path home that Betty did from the tram every single night except this night mm-hmm. yeah Whoa. so they're okay they looked pretty similar according to all reports um a theory is that Betty had been mistaken for the intended target Ina and that's backed up because the tram conductor who had been interviewed claimed that he saw Ina that night on the tram but in fact it was betty and ina had been home the whole time Hmm. see that i would think that it would be if it was a case of mistaken identity i would think it would be somebody thinking she's ina because the fact that it happened on her block so close Mm -hmm. to her house it had whoever was intended to be killed it had to be someone who lived in that area right but that's maybe you know whoever was intended just dodge a bullet and betty happened to have run out of block and they got her instead she wasted it all on the lottery ticket classic mistake right there you gotta pool your luck betty (laughs) oh boy that's why i don't buy lottery tickets i've never been murdered so well there you go there you have it ladies and gentlemen (laughs) we've solved it yeah well i want to talk about romantic partners because i mean Mm. if you're a young woman and you've been murdered who do they look to first uh the husband or the boyfriend, like the husband always did it. It's always it's the husband. It's always the husband. It's always the husband. <laughs> husband did it. <laughs> well, Betty wasn't married. And the police had asked Betty's parents if she had a boyfriend and they swore up and down. She's never had a boyfriend. She kind of just keeps, you know, kind of close to home. Um, They asked a mm-hmm. bunch of her close friends. They also said no. But there was one friend who sort of ratted Betty out and said that she was madly in love with this 29 year old married man and exactly and she was just super like into him head over heels but he was married and she she wasn't gonna go there so it was like a forbidden love type of thing exactly so this leads to my favorite theory which we're gonna really get into because i think it has a lot of traction and Mm -hmm. i found this in a book called i know who killed betty shanks pretty telling (laughs) by a man named um I'm going to say Ted does. In this, he names a man named Eric Steary as the murderer. And I'm just going to say it. I think Eric murdered Betty. Eric fucking did it. Dude, he did it. Why do we think Eric killed Betty? Okay. There is a lot here. Um, so let's let's really get into Eric. I included a photo, if you can see this, of Eric pictured in his favorite okay. brown suit. Shut the fuck up. Eric's got a brown suit. Mm-hmm. So remember, Marie said she saw a man in a brown suit, kind of acting yes. a little bit nervous, leaning on a light post. Uh huh. Well, other patrons at the tram station, right, you know, that got off the train with Betty right at that moment, said that they also saw a man in a brown suit and he looked pretty nervous and then really fast, like kind of hurried away from the tram station. But again, didn't think anything of it because it's 52. He's just a nice man in a three-piece suit. You know, right. maybe... you can't you can't arrest someone for wearing a brown suit. I mean, I would never suggest anyone to wear a brown suit, but <gasps> I hate a brown suit. I know it's gross. It's the worst color suit. <laughs> it is. If any of you own a brown suit, just just don't. Just get rid of it. Yep. Donate it. Just burn it. Just burn it. Well, we'll get into some burning of brown suits in a moment here. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll stop ruining the story for everyone. <laughs> You're predicting things. Stop it. 
Okay. So Betty, she didn't have a boyfriend. Um, but her parents mm-hmm. had recalled a couple times a man calling the house and he had asked for Betty and they would mm-hmm. say, you know, Betty's not here. She's at work or whatever. Do you want to leave a message? And both times this man totally declined to leave a message and sort of hung up on them. Wow. Rude. It's very rude. A similar phone call was also received by Betty's boss. He had put Betty on the phone and then noticed afterwards that she was visibly upset. He described her as not being herself not acting the way she usually does yeah but he didn't want to press her for information because he trusted her i mean she's Mm -hmm. you know respectful member of society right he thought if there was something wrong betty would tell him Mm -hmm. so back to eric steary eric steary is a married man eric steary is a 29 year old married man Mm. eric steary was known to flirt with other women and openly say he hated his wife (sighs) what a douche yep I already hate him. It gets so much worse. (laughs) So in this book, there's a lot of interviews by Eric's daughter. I think this is how you say it. Dish. It's D-E-S-C-H-E. Okay. How would you pronounce that? It's either got to be like Dash or Dashay. Dashay. But try to say Dashay with an Australian accent. It's very hard. Uh, It's just going to sound like a British accent if I try. (laughs) So I'm going to spare everyone. (laughs) All right. So we're going to go with Dish because I think Dish has a really good Dish. (laughs) So there's a lot of interviews in this book by Eric's daughter, Dash. She Mm -hmm. firmly believes that her father was the one that killed Betty Shanks. Like, we'll swear up and down it was him all day long. Okay. That's, wow. Okay. Yeah. She describes her father as, quote, an abusive ex-soldier with infatuation tendencies. Mm. He was the local locksmith. Um, He was pretty respected by, of course, all the men in the neighborhood. Gag me. He was the one, he was really good friends with the police. He was the one that put in all the locks on the cells at the jail oh okay like so he's got connections with the police he's like friends with them exactly but remember Hmm. he's prone to violence he had a tendency to become obsessed with young women that lived near them and at this time dash is only about eight nine years old and she remembers Mm. this pretty firmly that he was just obsessed with people okay ew Mm -hmm. gross she also said that her father sexually assaulted her from (gasps) a very young age (sighs) Yeah, this resulted in her becoming pregnant by her father at the age of 16. That's so horrific. But, I mean, judging by what you've said and, like, everything that we've heard about this man, he seems like the type of person who would murder someone. If he did wasn't the one that murdered Betty, I would bet money that he has murdered somebody else in his lifetime. Yeah, I kind of feel that way, too. And it says in this book that later on in Desh's life, she gets his medical records and like his mm-hmm. military records and he was yeah. like discharged dishonorably from the military which hmm. doesn't happen a lot um yeah and it was because he basically was described as psychotic and mentally unstable the fuck yeah so i would say now we'll probably call it like ptsd instances where he would just kind of freak mm-hmm. out about stuff and i mean he went through major wars so there's got to be yeah. something there Right, but it sounds like he had something going on before that, too. And just that paired with all of his war experiences probably was not a good combination. Right. I, I agree with that. I think that there's a lot of mental illness playing a big role yeah, here. Sounds like it. Mm-hmm. When Dash first heard about the murder, she called the police eight times insisting that her father be investigated. What? Yeah, eight times. And they didn't believe her. I mean, she was young. She was pregnant. She was deemed unreliable. Her father was, you know, the classic, oh, Eric, he's so nice. He would never. She was also a woman. Mm -hmm. Fuck that. Uh, I'm so over that shit. Also, do we think that because it was him and he had this, like, relationship with the police that maybe they didn't want to press it because they didn't want to believe that it was this guy that they had liked? I think that happens a lot. Yeah, me too. (laughs) So she kept pressing it. Nothing ever came from it. And Mm -hmm. also in an interview in this book, Desh reports that she had seen her father naked outside in the backyard, burning his clothes. (gasps) 
Yeah, the night that Betty was killed. Um, were these? Did these clothes happen to be the brown suit? She never saw the brown suit again. It mysteriously went missing. And I am just going to put this out there. He burned that fucking suit. He fucking for sure burned that brown suit. That's right. A man that wears a brown suit isn't just going to decide he doesn't like <laughs> brown suits anymore. It's very true. <laughs> wow. He's not going to hold on to it and not wear it. So also... The only reason you're burning clothes in your backyard is if you fucking murdered someone. You fucking you, people murdered don't just someone. <laughs> people don't just burn clothes for fun. And based off of the way, you know, I mean, there's blood all over this crime scene. Based off the way she yeah. was beaten, this guy had to have been covered in blood, whoever killed her. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And later on, Desh also describes that she realized at a later time that her father had given her shoes to scrub and there was blood in sort of like some tissue going on there so he gave them to her to clean up she did didn't really think anything of it at the time and was probably scared of her father you know if he was violent yeah so she oh yeah and i'm she was pregnant with this child too right so she just sort of let it go but thinking back on it she said that her boots the boots were covered in blood but this is pretty important she remembers that her father had asked her to take those very boots a couple of days later to a shoemaker in Brisbane to have new soles kind of glued on top of the current soles. But mm -hmm. I'm just going to put this out there. Was that to maybe hide some evidence of what the bottoms of those shoes looked like? Uh, For fucking sure. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I agree with that. I think that it's just too convenient. Mm. So Eric died in 1997, so he was never tried. No one ever took Dash seriously about this. There were a couple things I saw that I just, it's just unbelievable. You know, things that just don't seem like they're connected at all. Yeah. So I didn't deem that necessary to, to put in here because I didn't see it as evidence and the police pretty much threw it out right away. Yeah. Well, it sounds like the police didn't fucking care about anything in this case. Like, I, I mean... Not talking bad about police, but if somebody tells you that they think their father murdered a woman, right. you should probably, like, look into that. Right? I don't care if he's your fucking friend. Like, look into it. I know. I know. It just, it doesn't make any sense to me. So one more thing about um, shitbag Eric here is that, <laughs> is that after his death, Dash, who had totally distanced herself from this family at this time. I mean, her father uh -huh. got her pregnant at 16. She had the fucking baby. <sighs> she moved out as soon as she was able to and just totally for her. left her family behind. Mm -hmm. um, wow. So after her father died, she received a bunch of her father's belongings. And in these belongings, there was a photo album. She was looking through it. Pretty much all family members, you know, birthdays, stuff like that, except there was one photo kind of tucked in the back of the book. No. Of Betty Shanks. <gasps> yep. Uh, mm. It was him. It has to be. She it has to be. She thinks that he kept the photo as sort of like a memento. You know how murderers yeah. keep oh. trophies? Mm -hmm. Yeah. She she believes it was that. I mean, whether or not they kind of flirted back and forth and she gave Eric a photo of her, that could be the right. case too. But I just, I really like Eric for this murder. Yeah, for sure. Especially since his own daughter was like, my dad did it. It was him. My money's on Eric. And I mean, the sad mm. truth is that we're never going to know what happened to Betty Shanks. <sighs> I did read that they recently went through like the evidence that they had cold case style and Ooh. they found some male DNA on her clothing, but okay. they weren't able to tie it to any person. Mm. And also back in 1952, it was likely that maybe the evidence was just mishandled and the police officers yeah. got their own DNA on there. Right. That's very, very possible. Right. But that's sort of it. I mean, there's nothing nothing else you can really do to find out who killed Betty Shanks aside from a confession and Eric's dead, so he's not given one of those. <sighs> Fucking Eric. I really think it was Eric. I think it was Eric too. Um yeah. I'm the 
side of Eric and I'm looking at his picture right now and he just looks like a fucking idiot. I hate oh, him. No, dude, he looks like such a creepy <laughs> fucking a stupid brown suit. Stupid fucking suit. Stupid fucking Ugh. There was another murder in the area, maybe like three ish months later, that was Whoa. Yeah. But this one the police wanted to tie it together and then they just kind of abandoned it because it was a man in the military and he was out on leave and he went out on a date with like a 17 year old girl and ended up quote unquote Mm -hmm. accidentally murdering her how do you accidentally murder someone well she was strangled (laughs) okay yeah but it was sort of in the area but at the time of betty's murder the man wasn't on leave and oh yeah so there's nothing really that ties any sort of murderer to betty aside from this eric character yeah wow Mm -hmm. so that's all i have for betty shanks um rest in peace bets so that was our first murder podcast that was pretty cool that was i have to say that was so good the way that you delivered this and told the story i am very impressed with your storytelling abilities thank you you're welcome what (laughs) are we talking about next week so next week super excited for it it will be my turn to tell you guys a little story and with all of the alien talk that has been happening the past week, as we all know, if you listen to our Quick Unusual, our last Quick Unusual, I decided to um, dive into the story of what happened at Roswell. <gasps> so we're going to talk about that next week. <laughs> I am so excited. I know. Me too. Because everyone everyone knows about Roswell, but does everyone know about Roswell or do they just know the name and they've just heard it? I So we're going to get into the details. I feel like I know about Roswell, but I don't like know about Roswell. I'm very excited. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. Um, That will come out as always on Monday morning and you can find our podcasts on apple stitcher spotify we've recently been inducted into iHeartRadio, which is very exciting yeah mm-hmm. the number it says it's the number one place for podcasts so if it says it's it must be true yes everything on the internet i have ever read is true <laughs> so <laughs> and as always all of our source material is always provided um so if you guys want to check out betty shanks for yourself Feel free to look up those articles that we will have provided for you. Yeah. Let us know what you guys think. Do you think this D-bag Eric did it or do you like one of these other motives? Or if you've researched it or read this book, let me know because I'd be interested to hear your take on it too. Yeah. Follow us on Facebook. You can join our um, Facebook community. We can actually get a discussion started on this whole case. Um, But we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on on Twitter. Quite unusual pod. Also, you can email us at quiteunusualpod at gmail.com. Send in any comments, what you liked, what you didn't like. If you have ghost stories of your own, any local lore, we're trying to get that going a little bit. Send that in. Remember to celebrate the strange. And keep it unusual. Bye. Bye.